Let us pray. God of light and life, open our eyes as well as our ears so that we may not only hear your word preached today, but then see your word lived out in our lives and in your world. Through Christ our Lord, the light of the world. First reading today is from the book of Malachi 3, uh, verses 1 through 4. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. The second reading is a reading from the Gospel according to Luke 3, verses 1 through 6. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. It happens every time, every time I get together with seminary buddies, we tell the same stories we have told together a thousand times. Do you remember the time that so-and-so said that one thing in church history class that was really embarrassing? Do you remember that really hard exam we had to take in Hebrew, you know, the one where we had to translate part of Ezekiel on the fly? How terrible was that one class? Those of you who are still in touch with high school or college friends or maybe colleagues you've worked with for a long time might have noticed the same 
thing. Often the conversation turns to the hardest classes, the worst classes, the terrible customers, the professors we didn't like, that boss with the attitude. If the lay readers were to get together and reminisce, they might talk about that time. It was the first time I ever lay read at church and the pastor gave me that stupid passage from Luke with all the crazy names in it. (laughs) It seems like it's easier to talk about those things than the highlights sometimes. And I know when I'm with seminary friends, it's not because we hated seminary or anything, quite the opposite. But there's this weird kind of camaraderie that happens when you're reminiscing with former classmates or colleagues about the difficult times. And at first, it seems like that might be what Luke is going for in this passage of his gospel. Roman rule could not have been easy to live under. The rulers were out for their own interests rather than those of the people. They were not very nice. And they did not like Jesus and his posse of disciples very much. So in a way, it seems that perhaps Luke is setting up this scene in order to build some sort of early Christian camaraderie. And that's probably part of what he's doing here, but there's more to it than that. I remember exactly where I was when the Challenger exploded, and I'll bet that many of you do as well. We could probably talk about that for quite some time. I remember that I was late to work on September 11th, 2001, because I was supposed to be there at 8.30, and I walked in just as the radio announcers were trying to figure out what was happening. I will always remember that I was with you all here in the church basement planning for this Advent when we heard about the Tree of Life Massacre. Why do we do this? We note certain events in this seemingly dark way. We go back to a time of trauma and say, where were you when this happened? We have a need to have this confirmation that we were in a place and a time. It sort of bolts us to history. We have historical weight and significance, and that can be measured by comparing it to the history of another person. And often it's the shared conflict that brings us closer together because not only do we have a shared history, it's a shared history of overcoming some sort of adversity or trauma. Luke starts off this narration of the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, his introduction given by John the Baptist, by saying, This is the time and place into which God came in, as, and through Jesus Christ. By saying, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch, etc., etc., Luke is saying, Jesus came into the real, physical, historical world. Jesus came into this world in a time and a place to share in the historical importance of our lives. Jesus shared in our suffering and in our difficult past. He's telling us this because every one of his friends and family and other people he was writing to would have known all that just as well as we know where we were on 9-11. They all would have known exactly the struggle and the trauma that came with the occupation of their land and would have immediately connected that this Messiah Luke is talking about was there right in the midst of the mess of humanity found a great illustration of the idea of the light coming into the darkness. 
An artist once drew a picture of a winter twilight, the trees heavily laden with snow, and a dreary, dark house, lonely and desolate in the midst of the storm. It was a sad picture. Then with a quick stroke of yellow crayon, he put a light in one window. The effect was magical. The entire scene was transformed into a vision of comfort and cheer. The birth of Christ was just such a light in the dark world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We're not celebrating some abstract pretty story about strangers being nice to a young couple and giving them space in the barn out back to have their baby. Not only is that a historically inaccurate translation of the passage, Jesus was probably born in the home of extended family, just in the area that the animals would have stayed rather than the already filled guest room. Barns and stables were not a thing in first century Middle East. And the historical accuracy matters because it's not just an abstract, pretty story. It's not just a weird old story about a baby that symbolized peace. If all it is is an old story about a baby that symbolized peace, it is completely meaningless, so why bother? The world needs more than just a symbol of peace. We're not just talking about the birth of a cool guy. I'm sure Jesus was pretty awesome to hang around with, but if he was just a great guy with good things to say, Christmas doesn't mean any more than Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Now, we absolutely should celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. and his accomplishments and the great things he had to say, but it's not the same as Christmas. He was not God incarnate, inhuman. We're celebrating the day that God broke into space and time and history at a place that we can pinpoint and say, this is where the world was at this time. God broke in to time and space and history to be with us and to share in our collective history and experience, not just from some abstract place or far off spiritual realm, but right here, walking on the earth with us. The baby didn't symbolize peace. That baby was and is peace in the flesh. And that's important because we have that shared experience of the hard times and we can appreciate peace then by sitting together and saying, do you remember when we didn't have peace? Much like grad school graduates sitting around appreciating being done with grad school by talking about how hard it was. This passage in Luke uses attention to historical detail to help ground it in the real world. Jesus gave us the gift of being with us in the real world as we know and experience it, all the ways we know and experience it. Jesus felt our pain and shock when the Challenger exploded. He knew our sorrow when we watched the towers fall on 9-11 and the worry that we had for friends and family in New York and in D.C., the Messiah intimately knows the horror that we experienced when a gunman murdered worshipers at the Tree of Life. The greatest gift ever given is God's physical presence among us in our own world and history and time and space. God's physical presence in the world with us. Right here in time and space is a move of solidarity. God says, I can sit here in the hard times with you and understand them in the same way you do. That is the profound sort of peace that Jesus came to bring. 
the peace of knowing that we are not in this alone. God has not left us to this earth in a way that God can never understand, because God knows intimately what it's like. That's why wacky John the Baptist is so important, calling the people to get ready, because here he comes. Here comes God. Make way. Spoiler alert. John the Baptist died before Jesus did. He was beheaded by a maniacal, weak-minded politician. But that doesn't mean that there is not a messenger anymore. In this second wave of waiting, this second advent, so to speak, this waiting time, when we hopefully anticipate the second coming and the fullness of redemption, we are the messengers. We are the ones crying out in the wilderness, here comes God, peace is coming. We all need more than just a baby born in a barn who is a sign of peace. We need something with more weight than that. We need a God who knows what living in this world feels like. This is the message of the longest night service that we're having up at Ben Avon Community Presbyterian next week. You'll see a flyer for that in your bulletin. There are more in the back. I encourage you to be peace bringers by inviting loved ones and friends and acquaintances who are having a hard time to that service. That is a time to say, God knows our pain. This time of year is not always easy. And so let's sit together in that and acknowledge that God sits with us. When we see terrible things happen in the world, it's okay to center ourselves in history by talking about it. It's okay to ask those questions like, where were you when you heard about Pearl Harbor or the Challenger or 9-11 or the Tree of Life? As long as we balance it out with the knowledge that it is into that pain, into that sorrow, into that very real experience of humanity that Jesus comes. It's okay, provided we remember that we are located not just in the history of the world, but in the history of salvation. We are part of God's plan as messengers to the rest of the world. So this Advent, remember that we are the voice in the wilderness now, crying, prepare the way of the Lord. We are the ones pointing to Jesus in the midst of all that is wrong and violent and unjust and warring in our world and saying this is the peaceful promise that he is right here in it with us. Amen.